Can you imagine? Was it, you know, 15,000 years ago? What sort of long-term stresses did we have? <laughs> we had none. You know, we had days that we would have been hunting, gathering. Um, we would have been in total solitude and total stillness, completely immersed in nature. And New Zealand before, and probably I don't want to say something that's too politically incorrect, mm. um, but New Zealand before it was before it was occupied by Europeans, mm. by us, mm. um, how did the natives live? Exactly how human beings should have been living. Yeah. If we had continued living that way, I think life would have been so much nicer in many, many respects. Mm. You know, is it, was it really progress? If you think, the, you know, the planet and I'm not, I don't really go into the whole thing about greenhouse gas and climate mm. warming and all of that. But all I say is this, if we were living the way the native people in New Zealand were living for whatever amount of generations and tens of thousands of years, there would be no worries about climate warming. Yeah. There would be no plastic dumped in. There would be no roundup, no poisoning of, of food, mm. no poisoning of rivers. Um, and human beings, it might have been all for the better. So yeah. maybe we've taken a step back in that one. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode, uh, a momentous occasion. Well, it is for me anyway. Um, this episode of Please Blow My Mind is one of those pivotal episodes where, well, things just make sense. Things seem to fall into place. If you've followed my journey for a while, you will know that I am someone who is feeling their way forward. And I, look, I don't really know what that means. I guess it's, it's not saying... Uh, well, it's not saying anything, but it is saying everything. It is leaning on this unknown idea. It is leaning on that tension between what can we prove versus what can we, what can we feel, you know? I mean, we want to settle on this is my idea. This is my theory on everything. And the more we try that, the further the this unknown becomes the more blurry this becomes because you can't some things you just can't see some things you can't measure some things you I think it's something like a process like this thing annexed the next thing maybe something like why we love the idea of dominoes you know it's not about the first domino or the last domino it's about this domino journey and look there's something about patterns and something about feelings and something about science and something about light and something about dark and something about left and something about right and it all asks us to just I guess give up <laughs> and submit to this idea that it is vast and it is small and it is meaningless and it is meaningful all in the same way and one of the you know the areas I've started zoning in on is this idea of the mind and body you know we talk about it like we understand it and I think we don't so one part of us sees the body and that sees the body and it all it wants to do is just understand the body and be the body. So this comes out in ways like the gym and the workouts and the six packs and, and these very physical things. And, and then we realize that we've forgotten about the mind. And so the mind gets left behind in its development. And it has to carry two bigger loads. And then we cannot kind of blame it when it gets tired and run down and hurt. 
and 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 then we turn to the mind and then we're like oh gosh this feels a bit out of it you know i don't really know what to do with this information like meditation whoa what's that i can't see it i can't feel it um and the problem is the entry points become well they either put you in the zone or they put you off and then you don't want to be part of it so i've been trying to think about where is the entry point and it's so silly because i believe the answer is in the breath and our breathing it is literally the entry point for survival you know we we can survive for weeks without food days without water but minutes without breath and the clues are right there the clues are right there that that the entry points to the breath is in is in our mouth in our nose but it goes deeper than that i believe well i don't it's not me who believes it i've come across uh, a reawakening of this idea of the breath and i'm i'm all in and i want to learn about this so basically that when we breathe through the nose we breathe into our lungs the right way through the diaphragm we activate the diaphragm the diaphragm sends the signals to our brain to activate the next steps like the dominoes so look there's a bunch to learn here so i've gone straight to the best source uh, this week's guest patrick McEwen, and he joins me all the way from ireland now those who are kind of internet and podcast savvy you would have come across patrick before i seem to be in this space where i love reaching out to these people and 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 also going in with this naive look at the world with this idea of i'm a sponge teach me come on share the knowledge because at the end of the day that's really our goal isn't it to share the knowledge and we've monetized this we've kept it within our groups i think we see what's happening in the world as a manifestation if you don't share if you don't give the knowledge then you can't be unhappy when things fall into chaos because it's partly our fault it's everyone's fault for not sharing the knowledge because we commoditized it we made it we gave it a name like ip and so i'm I want that knowledge i want that primal knowledge i've called them the primal secrets it's not that people don't actively want you to have them it's just they're happy that you still get sick it's happy people are happy corporations are happy that you need to lean on someone else that you need to get them to help find you the entry point where the real entry point is through your nose to your diaphragm to your brain boom we are doing this let's get into this week's episode with patrick patrick thank you for firstly being on the podcast secondly being open to train me in your oxygen advantage world i am day one in and i will report more but for now we're going to jump into this podcast with patrick McEwen and talk about the breath and talk about the mind-blowing simple complicated aspects of modern life versus traditional life and how breathing through your nose will literally blow your mind let's get into it thank you all for joining me and thank you all for blowing my mind patrick what i didn't want to kind of lead us down is i'm one of those people um who just happens to have a podcast but i'm like many of the people who have watched many hours of your videos now so i try uh -huh. not to regurgitate 
um, what I've been hearing, sure. but at the yeah. same time, be aware that I've already been investing some hours, so I have a head start on people who will hear and see you for a first time in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. so it's just trying to establish, um, you know, like I think people think breathing's breathing, and it is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if we can just start by, um, you know, why – here's the thing, Patrick, that gets me about life – it should be straightforward and some things are you know like uh, you fall in love and it's a feeling and it's awesome but when you really look at it it's complicated and if you don't set it up properly it hurts you and i kind of feel like there's a metaphorical link here with with something as simple as the breath that everyone uh if you know like a building block if you miss a step it can kind of haunt you and you're unaware and this is a, a kind of scary prospect so would you be able to outline uh, just something as simple as breathing and why, you know, default, most of us have probably got it wrong? Yeah, I think with breathing, we need to to, to bear in mind that there are a number of dimensions to it. Mm. Um, it's oftentimes when you talk about breathing to people, their eyes will glaze over. <laughs> but you have to you have to bear in mind that what can we do through the breath? We can influence the functioning of the autonomic nervous system. Mm. We can help to get a balance between the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest and the and, um, fight or flight response. So a balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic. We can open up the airways and we can also improve blood circulation. We can improve oxygen delivery to, to throughout the body mm. and we can increase oxygen delivery to the brain and also by changing breathing patterns, we can help with sleep, snoring, obstructive sleep apnea, people with anxiety, panic disorder, people with depression, people with hypertension, people with hypotension. Um, So the breath, it's simple and yet it's complicated. And it's not just about taking that deep breath. So people often say, you know, um, oh, breathing, and they'll take a big breath in through the nose. And of course, or they'll do it through the mouth. There are so many misconceptions out there about breathing. And we have to look at breathing from biochemistry point of view is the amount of air that you are breathing. If you breathe more air than what you need, you cause too great a loss of carbon dioxide from the blood through the lungs. And this causes blood vessels to constrict. So the harder you breathe, the more your blood vessels constrict. And I've made mistakes with this when I was a youngster doing exams. I'd be stressed because of the exams. And I remember one exam, I went for a walk and I started taking these full, big, deep breaths because that's what's being taught. That's what you're told. You're stressed to take a deep breath. Mm. And I went into the exam hall. I was totally lightheaded. And I remember back because I couldn't, I performed poorly in that exam because I was in a state of, you know, reduced blood flow, reduced oxygen delivery to the brain. I was already stressed, so that would have affected my my performance anyway, but I amplified it. Mm. So, you know, from the biochemistry point of view, we have to think about breathing volume. From the biomechanics, we have to think about breathing low, using the lower regions of the lungs. And from a psychophysiological point of view, or even just from a cadence point of view, the optimal breathing rate to practice in terms of influencing the autonomic nervous system. And uh, yeah, the breath is so, so powerful. And the science is starting to catch up. None of this is new information. Mm. This has always been around for a long time. However, the message did get distorted and it got distorted in many streams in terms of people teaching breathing practices. 
when they're teaching people to take these full, these big breaths, when they're teaching them that the more air you breathe, the more oxygen that you bring into the body and gets delivered to the tissues, that is not correct. Mm. We have to turn breathing upside down. And for people to teach breathing, they should have an understanding of the physiology of respiration. Right. So you just put a lot in our minds right now. And I know everyone's going to be, because I have been in the last few days uh, saying, well, what's wrong with the way I breathe? You know, I, I thought this was automatic, that uh, how could it be that I have it wrong if, if you know, I just go to work and, and I do my job and I come home? How is it that um, I might be unconsciously kind of making myself panic more? It's, it's the way we're breathing. It's the, is it the breathing through our mouth? Yeah, breathing through the mouth is a habit that we pick up. Our ancestors weren't mouth, were not mouth breathers. If you look at schools, um, it's evident anthropologists will show that our ancestors were nasal breathers mm. by virtue of the size of their nostrils, by the shape of their skulls. Because if you have your mouth open and you're breathing through it for a period of time, especially during childhood, it does cause craniofacial abnormalities mm. that the face doesn't develop the way it should do. Mm. So it's evident from the shape of the face um, and, and the effect of mouth breathing versus nose breathing. There are quite a few things that influence breathing. Stress will change breathing patterns. Our jobs, we talk a lot. You know, talking involves larger breathing volume, harder breathing. Mm. And uh, the harder we breathe, the more our blood vessels constrict. So people who talk all day long, they'll often be quite tired at the end of the day. Um, and they might not put it down to their breathing. They think maybe it's their concentration. You know, maybe it's the fact that they have mental fatigue from having to do so many tasks throughout the day without considering the impact that they were breathing too much air mm. and breathing too hard, reduced blood flow and oxygen delivered to the brain. And that's contributing to their fatigue. Mm. There's a belief about the, the benefits of taking these big breaths. Like, where did that come out of? No animal is out there breathing hard yeah. intentionally. No <laughs> animal is breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And most animals are nasal breathing with a, the exception of a dog. And a dog will use its tongue to regulate body temperature. Mm. But most of the time, especially on a cold day, the dog is its mouth closed. Human beings, when we were born, we were born with our mouths closed. We were born breathing through the nose. Mm. So we've lost the art of breathing. And mouth breathing, I was a mouth breather for 20 plus years. And New Zealand, you've got one of the highest incidences of asthma in the world. Yep. Individuals with inflammation of the lungs, that will travel up to the nose. And when you have asthma, you'll often have a, a stuffy nose. And anybody with a stuffy nose, you are 1.8 times more likely to have a sleep problem. So when we're talking about breathing, it's not just isolated to the lungs. It's not just isolated to the nose. But typically what it will do is impact our sleep and our mental health. Mm. You know what's scary is you, I think what's hard for people to wrap their head around is you can't see all these things and the body's so adaptable it tries to help you out, but it pays yes. you back later. It's this idea of you don't see the immediate result of too much junk food, but it comes later. And But but yes. the thing about the, bre the breath as I've even noticed since listening to your videos, which is amazing on YouTube, you know, the, the world is open and you can hear things. And, yeah. and I mean, there's another school of thought that that's a danger too, because everyone's taking in all these ideas and the algorithms really in charge of if you pop up for me or not. 
but let's assume that um, they'll you know hope wins and eventually you come across the right things you need to just by listening to you on three or four podcasts I'm sure my subconscious is listening to breathe through your nose breathe through your nose and I find myself aware that my mouth shut and it's probably not a bad thing because you know we all do talk quite a lot in life and and just to have that breath and to actually I mean to others you're not breathing through your nose you're listening and so that's a problem uh, like a really nice benefit too of of breathing through your nose so so for someone who's like watching or listening and they're like oh my gosh I am totally shocked because I've been I've been taking the deep breaths like everyone's telling me to do um, is it as simple as just kind of consciously saying to yourself all right it's time to make more of an effort to shut my mouth and breathe through my nostrils yeah, it's a good start. Um, first, have your tongue resting in the roof of the mouth. Have your lips together. Don't have your <clears throat> don't have your teeth biting down on top of each other because it generates tension in the temporomandibular joint. Um, even focus on gently slowing down and softening the breath. And your listeners can put this into practice. Follow the airflow coming into their nose and gently follow the airflow as it leaves the nose. And really slow down the speed of the breath as it comes into the nose. So you're slowing it down almost to the point that you feel hardly any air coming into your nose. Mm. And at the top of the breath, bring a total feeling of relaxation to the body <clears throat> so that you're having a relaxed, gentle breath out. So the whole objective is if you soften and slow down the speed of the air coming into the nose, and if you have a prolonged and relaxed exhalation, during that point, you will be breathing less air. You, you know that you're breathing less air if you feel air hunger. Mm. And as you practice it, check what happens to temperatures of your fingers. Can you influence the temperature of your fingers um, by virtue of slowing down and reducing the volume of your breathing? And check the saliva in your mouth. Can you increase the watery saliva in the mouth? Check if it's making you feel drowsy. So as you slow down and reduce your breathing to create air hunger, your mind is more going to be more anchored onto the breath. But also as you reduce the volume of your breathing during that time, there is increased blood flow to the brain. There's increased oxygen delivery to the brain. There's increased blood flow throughout the body because your hands, you'll know it by your hands getting warmer. Mm -hmm. Like many people have cold hands and cold feet. It's very common with people who breathe too hard. And sometimes, you know, in terms of people might say to me, well, you know, what you're saying is different to what everybody else seems to be saying. Well, I said, put it into practice. You know, you can spend three or four minutes just gently reducing the volume of your breathing. Does it make you drowsy? Does it increase the watery saliva in the mouth? And what's more, when you have air hunger, your mind is anchored onto the breath. So it is a meditation per se, but it's mm -hmm. even better because your mind is less likely to wander. And from a psychological point of view, it's not just that you're getting the benefits in mental health because your attention is on your breath, but you're also increasing blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain. This is a calming effect on the central nervous system. Mm. So reduce neuronal excitability that the brain itself becomes calmer. And I've seen some amazing results over the years from ranging with, you know, people with panic disorder, people with depression, people with anxiety, people with, with high stress levels, that when we teach them to first slow down their breathing, secondly, breathe, breathe low and slow, 
And I use the acronym breathe light, slow and deep. Light means don't breathe as much air as what you feel you need. Just gently soften the breath. Slow breathing. Don't take so many breaths per minute. Ideally, during the practice, you could reduce the cadence or the respiratory rate down to six breaths per minute. 5.5 to six breaths per minute is the optimal cadence for stimulating the vagus nerve and increasing what's called heart rate variability. And heart rate variability is a very good feedback of vagal tone or functioning of the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And for people with high blood pressure, um, or it, it's not just for people with high blood pressure, but when you slow down your breathing to 5.5 and six breaths per minute, you exercise baroreceptors, which are pressure receptors inside the major blood vessels, and you make these pressure receptors more sensitive. And as a result, your autonomic nervous system is improving and the functioning functioning better. So there's so many functions outside of our control in terms of the human being, mm -hmm. but yet we can influence many of these functions. And I, I'm not saying that this is a cure-all, but breathing is one of those functions that really trumps. It trumps diet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's so interrelated. And I'm not saying that, of course, diet is not something to be taken into consideration. Of course it is. But you have to ask, the importance of a function is determined by how soon the organism perishes when you turn it off. And with food, you can last for weeks. Without food, you can last for weeks. Without water, you can last for days. And without air, you can just last for a few minutes. Mm. So surely the quantity and the quality of our breathing should be important. And yes, we have developed, often developed poor breathing patterns. Like if you look at the medical literature, it will show it's about 10% of the population have poor breathing. If you look at people with asthma, it's about 30%. And if you look at people with panic attacks, anxiety, it's 80%. So you can imagine all of the people with anxiety and panic disorder, they're going to psychotherapy, they're going to psychology, psychologists, they go to their psychiatrist, they do got cognitive behavioral therapy, they get prescription for various drugs from their psychiatrist. But who's looking at their breathing hmm. and who is who is looking at their sleep? Hmm. So I will always say that it, it's bi-directional. You've got a connection between breathing and how breathing is influencing sleep. If your breathing is good and slow and through the nose and driven by the diaphragm, you're much less likely to snore and you're much less likely to have obstructive sleep apnea. Whereas if your breathing is hard and heavy and through the mouth, You've got an increased turbulence in the upper airways, and this is generating a negative pressure in the airways. This will either cause turbulences, which is snoring, or it can cause a collapse of the airways. If it's partial, it's called a hypopnea. And if it's total collapse, it's called an apnea. Mm. And talk about, you know, the instance of sleep apnea and sleep problems. It's huge. Talk about the instance of mental health issues. It's huge. But can you have stillness of the mind if you don't have a good quality of sleep. And I don't think you can. Yeah. So we want to look at breathing, breathing slow and breathing using the diaphragm to calm the mind. When you breathe fast, the mind is agitated. When you breathe upper chest, the mind is agitated. So again, back to the people leaving the, psych the psychotherapist, you know, they've done cognitive behavioral therapy, but nobody's talking about their respiratory physiology. And if they are, they're telling these people, go home and take a few deep breaths for yourself. <laughs> That's only going to amplify the situation. And it's very simple, Will. You know, all of this stuff is so, so simple. Even if you were to get adults, put their hands either side of their lower ribs, 
And as they breathe in, that the ribs are just gently moving outwards. And as they breathe out, the ribs are gently moving inwards. Just feeling lateral expansion of the lower ribs in terms of breathing functionally using the, the, the diaphragm. So it's low, it's nose, it's low, and it's slow. Mm. And that's the way we should breathe. So when people picture a breath at the moment, is it the big and, and feeling your chest move? Is that where we think, yes. when we see the diagrams and the, the animations, it's like that's where the air is. But, I mean, and that's the metaphor of the lungs too. But when you say the diaphragm, that's where if you put your fingers near your ribs and when you breathe in your nose should you feel those just gently move out would that suggest that the air is yes. coming in the it's not it's not in the tummy is it in the lower lung or is it in the yeah, tummy? just at the base of the ribs right. so your nose is more connected with the diaphragm than the chest um now if you were to breathe if, like i often say to students look down at your chest and take a breath through the mouth when you breathe through the mouth you'll often see that the chest is rising so when you breathe through your nose, you're more likely to breathe using the lower regions of the lungs. But I'm only saying more likely. If somebody has a habit of upper chest breathing, they mm. need to fix that. Mm. When the diaphragm moves downwards, as we take a breath in, what happens is the brain sends a message to the diaphragm breathing muscle, which is a muscle that's located at the base of the ribs. The diaphragm during rest moves down by about one to two centimeters. And the intercostal muscles are the muscles at our sides, the ribs. It's basically the meat in between the ribs. The intercostals are pulling the ribs outwards. So the diaphragm is moving downwards and the intercostal muscles are moving outwards. As a result, when you take a breath in, you will have some movement to the front, to the sides and to the back. So you're, you'll have abdominal movement, you'll have lateral expansion, and you'll also have movement at the back. So you have to think of the core as a box. You have the pelvic floor at the bottom, you've got the diaphragm at the top, you've got the abdominal muscles to the front, and you've got the spinal muscles to the back. And respiration, you know, it's not just that our diaphragm is there for breathing, but our diaphragm is also connected with the emotions. Diaphragm breathing is important for lymphatic drainage, which is the body's sewage system to get pump waste from the body. Diaphragmatic breathing and functional breathing is very important for functional movement. So anybody who's involved in the fitness industry, if you have an athlete with dysfunctional breathing, that athlete is more likely to have dysfunctional movement and they are at a greater risk of injury. Mm. Like even just running with the mouth closed, and I wrote an article on it, it's on our website, oxygenadvantage.com. You know, running with the mouth closed, nobody seems to do it. <laughs> and maybe there's one or 2%, but I, if you were to go to a gym, and if you were to walk in, um, you will see that the vast majority of people, even during the warm-up, are mouth breathing. And they breathe through an open mouth because it seems to be the easiest thing to do. However, compare nose breathing to mouth breathing. When you first switch to nose breathing during physical exercise, it's more difficult because there is an increased air hunger. But that air hunger decreases over time. Your nose works better when you breathe through it more. So your nose will start opening. But also, when you switch to nose breathing, you are putting an extra load onto the breathing muscles, which helps to improve respiratory muscle strength. Nose breathing is increasing carbon dioxide in the blood. This allows more oxygen to be delivered throughout the body. Nose breathing is protecting the upper airways and the lower airways for those, especially with people with asthma. They should be doing all of their physical exercise with their mouth closed. Wow. Nose breathing is increasing oxygen uptake in the blood. 
and nose breathing is increasing oxygen delivery to the tissues mm. and nose breathing you don't breathe out as much oxygen because your body is using it more so it's a case of quality versus quality versus quantity mm. there is absolutely no comparison switching from when you compare mouth breathing and its effects mouth breathing is trauma for the upper airways you know you'll have individuals getting cyclist cough they're wheezing they're getting breathless mouth breathing is causing a lot of loss of moisture from the lungs moisture from the body there's 42 percent greater water loss breathing out through the mouth mouth breathing is activating the upper chest as a fight or flight response the mind is more likely to be agitated nose breathing is slow diaphragmatic the mind is more likely to be in the flow during physical exercise mm. and uh, like even going back as far as 30 years ago a paper by dr john dulliard they looked at the alpha and beta wave thinking i'm not sure of the different brain waves in terms of the zone but what they did find that when individuals during physical exercises were breathing through the nose they were more likely to enter the flow state that state that's you know that the mind is put aside that the the runner the runner and the race become one that the athlete is moving simultaneously with time and mm. um, it's almost that everything is slowed down and things become effortless and time flow flies so quickly and so there's so many and even think about the night before how many of your listeners wake up with a dry mouth in the morning like if they wake up with a dry mouth in the morning they are more likely to go get up to go to the bathroom during the night they're more likely to uh, feel tired when they wake up. They're more likely to snore. They're more likely to have obstructive sleep apnea. They're more likely to be exhausted during the day. And I was one of those people. 20 years, mouth breathing continuously because having asthma, having nasal obstruction, having poor sleep, and mouth breathing and fast upper chest breathing, mm. then you're, I was highly strung. Mm. So, you know, you're more stressed as a result of it. So think of the children nasal breathing and mouth breathing 25 to 50 percent of kids going around with the with their mouths open and nobody is paying them hardly any attention mm -hmm. very few healthcare professionals are talking about this the medical profession unfortunately has overlooked the importance of nasal breathing it's really a shame and mm -hmm. it's a shame for people with asthma it's a shame for people with mental health issues it's a shame for people with sleep issues and it's not just about breathing through the nose but the nose is a good start. And it makes you wonder too, because, you know, in this modern world, we're all based around numbers. And, and I, I would presume with New Zealand, you know, we have a, uh, obviously the, um, the British history with New Zealand. And, and I think a long came with that, you know, many of us here have crooked teeth. And I think that must be to do with this, this you know, this um, well, incorrect way of breathing. Uh, I also, you know, for, so for myself, I, I, I have that. I have these crooked teeth. I snore, and I don't know why that was. I just thought, and you, you uh -huh. know, for me, it was like a family thing. My dad snores, and his dad snores, and it's almost like, well, if you can't handle it, you're not tough enough to sleep through the snoring, you know. And it's like, I get it. They were just trying to process. Their real answer is, I don't know why. Is it a weight thing? Is it something? But I think it must be. Uh, because you know when you when I heard you say um, sleep with your mouth shut at night, I thought it was the opposite. Where snorers would think, don't breathe through my nose because that's making the noise. But it must be the fact that because uh, I think I heard you say y your tongue is not sitting in the right place if your mouth is open and everything mm -hmm. has a follow on. Is is that kind of what's happening there? 
Yeah, it's part of it. Like, for example, you can slur through your mouth mm. like this, where the soft tissue at the back of the palate. So mm. here's a small anatomy of the nose. You have soft tissue here at the back of the roof of the mm. mouth. And when you breathe in through your mouth, this is vibrating and this will cause snoring. Now, you can also snore through your nose. And this is where there's turbulence inside in the nasal cavity and at the back of the nose, the nasopharynx. So you think if you even if we just look at the shape of the nose here, compare it to the size of the mouth, mm -hmm. look at the amount of space that the nasal cavity is occupying in the human in the human skull. Your nose, what you look at, when you see yourself in the mirror, your nose is about 25%. 75% is, is set back. Here we have turbinates, and there's a gas called nitric oxide that's released into the nasal cavity or produced inside the nasal cavity. Moisture is picked up, heat is picked up, nose is regulating volume, nose is slowing down breathing, which is very important for creating resistance to breathing during wakefulness oxygen uptake to take place mm. um, so your nose is doing a lot of work there but during sleep if you have your mouth open your tongue can't rest in the roof of your mouth mm -hmm. and as a result your tongue is more likely to encroach into the airway a good airway and i'm talking about the space at the back of the nose the space of the back of the mouth and the pipe that's bringing the air down into the lungs mm. a good airway is the size of your tongue the size of a garden hose yep. and a poor airway is the size of a, a big pen. Mm. Now it will be at different points. So an, an, anatomically, your airway is narrower when you have the mouth open because the jaw is falling back into the, into the throat and the tongue is falling back into the throat. The jaw is falling down and back. And this in turn is going to reduce the diameter of the airway. And we can't just look at sleep in terms of airway alone. We also need to look at sleep in terms of flow. You know, any engineer who's looking at the diameter of a pipe will always ask the question, yeah, here we have a pipe, but what's expected to go through it? <laughs> now, generally in sleep medicine, um, what's investigated is the airway. But nobody or very few people is investigating flow and very few people are saying, let's change flow. So what I would like, so I'll say to my students, say, make the sound of a snore. And they go <clears throat> through the nose or <clears throat> through the mouth. And I say, what did you do to make that sound? Mm. Number one is they tighten their airway. And number two is they breathe harder and faster. <laughs> so now I say to them is really slow down your breathing. I'd like you to have a really slow breath coming into your nose and a very slow breath out. And as you have slow breathing, can you snore through your nose? And most people will say, no, they can't. Yeah. So it's not just about the size of the airway. It's also about the flow. Now, New Zealand, by the way, there is two amazing doctors from New Zealand who have been putting out information about nasal breathing for over 20 years. One is a man called Dr. Patrick McHugh, H-U-G-H. And the other is an, an ear, nose and throat doctor called Dr. James Bartley. Now, when you look at what they say and talk about, and, you know, Patrick McHugh did two studies on the Buteco method, which was my basis in New Zealand, and they were published in the New Zealand Journal of Medicine back in 2003. And he drew a lot of criticism from his medical peers because here he was supporting what was so-called complementary medicine, you know, investigating if people with asthma, and he did also a study with children with asthma, if they breathe through the nose, what happens? Well, they got good results. 
but his peers criticised him. And Dr. Patrick McHugh then had to put in a letter to his peers asking, what is the Buteco method about? You know, yes, we don't have all the answers about what it does, and it can raise more questions than it answers. But the Buteco method is about breathing through the nose, about normalizing minute ventilation. Um, yeah, it's not typically about using the diaphragm, but we do bring it in. You know, and there's no side effects from teaching breathing exercises. Hmm. It's so bizarre throughout the world that it has been overlooked and asthma societies have been resistant to it. And some people have been resistant. And if you look at the, another book published in New Zealand, it's called The Phenotoral Story. It was written by an epidemiologist called, I believe it's Neil Pierce. I wrote, I read the book maybe about 10 years ago. He looked at a drug that was being sold for asthma in New Zealand in the 1970s called Phenoteral by a, a German drug company. And this Neil Pierce noticed as an epidemiologist, he noticed that the death rate from asthma in New Zealand was, was increasing. And he thought it was related to this drug. So he started doing studies and he presented his findings and he was absolutely ridiculed, ridiculed. So the drug company responded by sending these massive marketing campaigns to all of the doctors, um, you know, countering the, the, the epidemiologist Neil Pierce's claims. And Neil Pierce kept up his journey because the death rate was still increasing. And it took the Ministry of Health in New Zealand to stop the sale of the drug. And when they stopped the sale of the drug, they only did it for a few months to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. When they stopped the sale of the drug, the death rate reduced. Mm. And that was their cause and effect. So what I would say to, you know, I've been involved in teaching breathing exercises for 18 years. And people will say to me, well, if it's so good, why am I, why don't I hear about this? Well, I have to say there are, we as human beings, if we are trained in a field, in a particular field, whether it's in medicine, whether it's in yoga, whether it's in physiotherapy, whether it's in psychotherapy, psychology, when we are trained in a particular field, most human beings won't go outside of that box. Mm. They will stick to that field and they won't look at anything outside of that field. And breathing doesn't get any attention in medical school. Um, physiotherapy will have their own set of breathing exercises. Um, with yoga, I think, you know, the, the message has changed quite a lot over mm. the years. There is a new yoga book that was written by a yoga instructor of 30 years. She's teaching yoga for 30 years. Her name is Robin Rottenberg. And the name of the book is called Restoring Prana. And she, she developed chronic fatigue, I think, or she certainly developed asthma and sleep apnea, and I think with it chronic fatigue. And she was using yoga and yeah, it was getting some results, but she started reducing her breathing. She started doing the opposite. She learned Buteco. She started doing the opposite to taking the harder breaths by reducing her breathing. And it made quite a significant difference. And it made such a difference that she started changing the breathing practices that she was teaching for 30 years. Mm. Now, very few yoga instructors will do that because as human beings, if we have been doing something for a long period of time, it's, it's very threatening, I think, for us to start introducing to our students and to say to our students, listen, 
I've been teaching you this form of breathing for the last 30 years, yeah. and now I'm going to teach it the entire <laughs> yeah. opposite. Yeah. So we don't change as human beings, and that's why breathing hasn't been brought in. Mm. There must be some reason, you know, um, and you could talk about other things as well, but that's some of just my point on it. Yeah, and, and I wonder if that <clears throat> explains too why I see you pop up on podcasts, because a podcaster isn't a professional they're a person on a journey so if it's media yes. we have and I, I won't be so critical to say an agenda but kind of you know you have a producer you have to have research and then you have to be able to back that research up if anyone was to ask so it probably puts a lot yes. of people off uh just um stress levels you know trying to go through and 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 that type of stuff but i know that for me i'm really interested well it's it's good that people get to listen and watch but i want to know you know, because it's already helped me and, and yes. you know, uh, I do want to kind of learn more because, you know, I'm interested in this idea of, I, I get the concept, people say get uncomfortable or, you know, stress the body and it can, it, things happen inside, you know, your mind and body uh -huh. automatically. But for me, it becomes, it gets really too quick into this I don't know, like a symbol or uh, um, like, you know, I see groups of people and I don't want to kind of say hippie, but you know what I mean? It's like, oh, mm -hmm. these people just yes. want to have a social club and they're using the breath as a, as, a, as a tool. But when I came across you, it was a fine mixture of kind of like just science and practical and then um, putting it like all of these things like mindfulness and all, you answer that for me because you end up triggering all of those things as it should be but you give me something to focus on which is my breath through my nose and i can see that mm -hmm. in my mind and i think about our audience in new zealand where a lot of farmers you know we have um kind of this funny hangover masculine thing from rugby you know where it's not cool to sure, show weakness sure. and and sometimes that's good in a world where no one acknowledges weakness but that's not this world this world is built up of vulnerability and I think our, our our mental health and our suicide statistics are against us here because clearly the stoicism isn't working for us. So I love yeah. the fact that a farmer can by default start breathing through their nose on the tractor and all of these other things will be slowly unlocked. And when they're ready to yeah. go further down yeah. the path and study more, but I love the entry point, like literally two nostrils as the entry point. And, and I'm yeah. looking really hard for these, Patrick, you know, because I feel like it gets very quick into like, and you know, I, I don't really want to bring it up, but like the Wim Hof stuff, like he becomes like a God for us, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, just follow that guy. And you know, we're doing the movements and I'm part of something, but I sometimes wonder, well, what about all the people that they're interested in it, but it gets too much into like a, a party <laughs> too quickly. And yeah. I just, you know, I started kind of watching your content and I was like, wow, this is like, you. so the bit I was trying to wonder about, not not tying the two at all, but obviously a lot of people are coming to you probably through Wim in that kind of world, because I've heard it mentioned a couple of times. But I think for me, what it is, is I like the concept of, you know, when he's doing his stuff it's stressing the body a bit and i like the yes. thought that that there's things happening there because you you know you think about it like the gym you actually break the muscle a bit to grow it and you can get your head yes. around that is that the same when you're saying when you slow that breath down to five and a half or six in and outs or sorry six breaths per minute you're stressing the body too because is that what air hunger means 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, when we do slow breathing with air hunger, well, in terms of doing slow breathing, that's really looking at breathing, improving functional breathing. Okay. And functional breathing is how you breathe every minute, every hour, every day. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. On the other side, what we do is we do breath holding. And we do breath holding as well to pretty severe air hunger, but not we don't do hyperventilation beforehand. Right. And the reason being is because I suppose <clears throat> I spent 20 years teaching people how to change breathing patterns. And a lot of them are chronic hyperventilators. Mm -hmm all the time mm -hmm. so i was i'm a bit fearful of, and just this is my own biases i would be fearful then of bringing in hyperventilation to a group of individuals where that's the very thing that i'm trying to work on so what i do is i give them the functional breathing then because i'm interested in terms of how is the person breathing during sleep during rest during physical exercise then i give them breath holding by breath holding by the way it doesn't suit everybody um, and I've seen, I've made mistakes with it. I've had guys with panic disorder. I've had girls with anxiety, putting them through breath holes. And I really put them into a fight and flight response. Hmm. I could switch them on. And it, it, I can, I put some of them into such a state of panic. Um, because we have to bear in mind that the feeling of air hunger from breath holding, for most people, it's uncomfortable. It's a challenge. And it's a, it's a, you know, that's what it is, a challenge. It is a stressor. But for people who are prone to anxiety and panic disorder, for the, for some of those people, they think they are going to die mm -hmm. because the air hunger is too much. And this is the thing about breathing, that we have to tailor exercises according to the individual. We have to do it tailor-made. And you learn this over experience because I it wasn't part of my training. When 20 years ago, I wasn't told to differentiate between people coming in with panic disorder mm -hmm. and people coming in with asthma. So I was using what I knew best at the time. But then I was looking at the kids coming in. When I'm talking about kids, they were in their 20s. I was seeing the results and the results were not good. You know, so I changed that. Mm. I think the Wim Hof technique is a wonderful technique as a stressor. But you also have to bear in mind that's not how we should be breathing all the time. Mm. It's not increasing oxygen delivery to the tissues. And if you switch somebody on, which the technique does, you have to be able to switch them off. Yeah. And a stressor is good almost to give the body a reset, that it's like a reboot, and mm. um, that you're putting the body into a stress situation, almost that it's dropping or getting rid of baggage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think the Wim Hof technique, and, you know, yeah, it has got its following. And it's interesting, if, if I was to say anything about the Wim Hof technique, like I said at one point in the post, it's a hypocapnic hypoxic training. And that's the way Matthias Cox's paper came across. And people were very critical of what I said. And I said, listen, I'm only saying it's what I see in the paper. Mm. Like, and then I was wondering, why are people so defensive? It's almost like it's, it's like a religion at this point. Yeah. Like yeah. people get very defensive about religion. In some countries, they get very defensive about politics. And the breath isn't about that because I, I with oxygen advantage, um, I've been free to explore whatever modality because it absolutely doesn't matter because it's coming, it's broad. Whereas with Buteco, I had to stick with Buteco because yes. who am I to change the Buteco mm -hmm. method? Buteco was developed by this Russian doctor. It's a wonderful technique. But with oxygen advantage, and this is part, 
you're talking about, you know, people. I was given talks back in 2010 to 2013. Um, Ireland was in the Swanee. The banks had screwed up everything. The politicians were absolutely useless. Um, Corruption was rife. Um, You know, so we had a bunch of idiots running the country, and that's pretty much what it was. And there was a lot of stress in the normal individual. And a lot of people were out of work. They had mortgages they couldn't pay. There were homes being repossessed. And um, so I gave mindfulness courses with functional breathing. Mm. And over the course of 2010 to 2013, 3,000 people attended. But 95% of them were female, or maybe 90% were female. And I was wondering at the time, where are the males? Because it's the males that are under the most pressure here. Mm. It's the males that are at the greatest risk of suicide than females. That's changing, by the way, now. But males haven't got the ability, I think, as best as females. Females can discuss, they can talk, they can go through their feelings. Males, we hide in the cave. So I said, why are no males coming? And this was also part that I brought out oxygen advantage. Oxygen advantage is consisting of breathing exercises to to improve functional breathing for sports performance. It's also improving and working with strong breath holds Mm. to really challenge you, to stress you. And oxygen advantage reaches out mainly to males aged between 20 and 40 years of age. Mm. Now, when I'm doing oxygen advantage, we are slipping in meditation. Mm. I don't, it's not meditation anyway, Well, mm. It's simply training the brain to be focused. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. We have got, we have got um, some instructors from the Navy SEALs, Delta Forces. We had one of their instructors who are above the Navy SEALs. I didn't even know they existed. Mm. SWAT personnel, Olympic athletes who are preparing for, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the next Olympics. Um, I number on Friday, I work with one of the top 10 tennis players in the world. Last week, I was with pro- professional rugby players um, and soccer players. And each week, I typically will have maybe one professional elite mm. sports person. Why are they doing it? Because we can improve their sleep. We can improve their concentration. Yeah. We can increase oxygen uptake. We can increase oxygen delivery. We can re- we can Im- delay lactic acid and fatigue by increasing the buffering capacity. And the science is starting to catch up. Yeah. Um, just even on the basis of delaying lactic acid and fatigue. There's a French researcher called Wurons, and he looked at applying this for rugby. And he selected 21 professional rugby union players from Australia. He divided them into two groups. One was doing exhale, hold, and sprinting, what we do anyway. So you take a normal breath in, normal breath out, pinch your nose, hold, and sprint for 40 meters on a breath hold. And then you go into normal walking with gentle, normal breathing for recovery for 30 seconds and sprint again, 40 meters. 30 30 second recovery, sprint again, 40 meters, holding the breath. 30-second recovery, sprint again, 40 meters, holding the breath. He had them do two to three sets a week. And in four weeks, in the group that was doing the breath hold sprinting, their repeated sprintability increased from 9 to 14.7 or 14.8. The control group who was doing high-intensity interval training to stimulate anaerobic glycolysis, no change. Mm. Now, here... You have elite rugby union players during their competitive season. And if you can improve their fitness levels by even a fraction of a percent, it's a gain. Mm. 
but to increase repeated sprintability. And repeated sprintability was the time that they could run a 40 meter sprint. To improve that, that they could run 14.8 sprints before exhaustion after four weeks of training using Brett Tolling. Mm. And Brett Tolling hasn't been tapped into. So I would say to the farmer, listen, your your animals, they're intelligent enough to start breathing through the nose. They've <laughs> never breathed through the mouth unless they're sick. Yeah. And the farmer will notice. So animals, there's an intelligent an intelligence in nature. And human beings, we have sometimes lost that. And sometimes it's time to go back to basics. Mm. And I guess the 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 reason we've lost it or suppressed it or forgotten it is life became really quick. Life is yes. anxiety filled. And I guess, yes. you know, to keep up short term, you are fight or flight. And that's good if you just want to survive for that one or two minutes or, you know, metaphorically. But yes. we're, we're still saying to ourselves, wellness is a long game. And so I think that's the shift, right, where you got to make those yes. investments. And, and, and I just think it's it's so obvious. What, you know what it feels like to me is um, there's a, a pr- professor here that I've interviewed a couple of times, and he kind of wrote some literature around fat and eating fat. His name's Grant Schofield. Yeah. and. It sounds like that where everyone was saying, how could you say that? You know, you are exactly yes. doing the wrong thing. And now yeah. keto diet, carnivore diet. I mean, yes. it's exactly the way you eat. And everyone yeah. doesn't talk about sugar and all of these things. And I I, I, yeah. I get it that it's kind of hard to sell in some ways because you really just kind of, um, you know, why wouldn't you want to be up all the time? And, you know, let's drink coffee and let's go, go, go. But yeah, you can yeah. go, go, go till you crash. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Well, look at the statistics, look at corporate burnout, mm. you know, we can't as human beings, you know, you, you look down at your cats or we've got animals outside of mm. the countryside. The cats know when to take a nap. The dogs, you know, know when to, to relax. They don't feel guilty about it. The human being, we feel guilty about it. We've been conditioned into go, go, go. And yeah, you know, you could have an acute short-term stress, but the one to watch out for is the chronic long-term stress Mm -hmm. that eventually catches up with you. Mm -hmm. We are not designed. So just as our ancestors were eating fat, that was part of the diet. That's what we were getting as hunter and gatherers. Um, We weren't being exposed to long-term stress either. Can you imagine was it, you know, 15,000 years ago? What sort of long-term stresses did we have? Mm-hmm. We had none. You know, we had days that we would have been hunting, gathering. Um, we would have been in total solitude and total stillness, completely immersed in nature. And New Zealand before, and probably I don't want to say something that's too politically incorrect, mm-hmm. um, but New Zealand before it was, before it was occupied by Europeans, mm-hmm. by us, mm-hmm. um, how did the natives live exactly how human beings should have been living if we had continued living that way i think life would have been so much nicer in many many respects Mm. you know is it was it really progress if you think that you know the planet and i'm not i don't really go into the whole thing about greenhouse gas and climate Mm. warming and all of that but all i say is this if we were living the way the native people in New Zealand were living for whatever amount of generations and tens of thousands of years, there would be no worries about climate warming. Yeah. There would be no plastic dumped in. There would be no roundup, no poisoning of, of food, mm. no poisoning of rivers. 
um, and human beings, it might have been all for the better. So yeah. maybe we've taken a step back in that one. Well, it's the interesting thing about COVID is that it asked us to all be part of our little tribe again. And everyone yeah. kind of talked about, well, when I say everyone, what was reported on our news was, you know, all of these, the, the negatives, but no one reported on the positives, which was that, you know, we had less yes. of a lot of things kind of comparable to how it maybe was where you were around your people more. So you had to probably raise your game because you couldn't go off to work and I'll see you tonight. And I kind of like that idea, you know, and we get portals into this sometimes, but what it actually opens up is just how how much we've forgotten. So I guess to kind of end up, Patrick, if there was one piece of kind of advice, and I've been playing with this term, and I don't really know what to do with it, but it's like a primal secret. It's something that, you know, it's like a secret because it's not that they don't want you to know. Well, maybe they do because I'm sure the dentists love putting braces on kids with crooked teeth. I'm sure the asthma doctors love writing their prescriptions. I don't mean love it. I mean, they're happy to have jobs. But if yes. we were to, if you were to pass that knowledge on, what's kind of the one thing we could do to take that power back for us, you know? And and I, I know it's quite metaphorical, and I'm also trying not to kind of go too far because I'm not trying to make you give a one size fits all. But it's mm -hmm. got to start somewhere. For people who have an internet connection, we have this portal into connection, and I just want to be able to take one thing away and. I'm imagining it's like the tinder that starts the fire. And once that fire's going, go get your abs. That's all good. But for now, mm. we've got to start just by trying to find the fundamental. Is there kind of like a primal secret? You know, m maybe it's around the breath that we could all just start working on today. I think there's two things to take into consideration there. I think the first is not to live in our head consumed with thoughts. We've been trained how to think. Western education has taught us how to analyze, how to decipher, how to reason, how to break information into tiny pieces. So the mind has been sharpened. We can think. We can think, but we cannot stop thinking. Mm -hmm. We are living in our heads. Many of us are living in our heads, continuously living in our heads. And we are not living life. We are not connected with life. And this has nothing got to do with Eastern um you know, this is not nothing got to do with Eastern knowledge, even though, of course, that was a fundamental aspect of the Eastern world. This is all about being a human. How can we live life, connecting with life around us if we are stuck in our heads all the time? You know, so one of the things through the Brecht, two things that I learned back 20 years ago was get out of my head, bring my attention into the inner body, onto the Brecht. If I'm going for a walk in nature, don't go for that walk thinking. You know, there's a time to think for practical purposes and there's a time to stop thinking mm. and there's a time to give ourselves some attention. And with that, when you have your attention on your breath, you're taking attention out of the mind, you're placing it on the breath and you're following and feeling the airflow coming in and out of the body. And the breath is the connection between the mind and the body. You don't have to be a yoga instructor to do this. You don't have to be wearing the robes and the beads. You don't even have to be in a lotus position and doing a formal meditation. I don't do any of this formally. I've seen guys in the lotus position doing formal meditation for half an hour, and for the rest of the day, they were nuts, <laughs> absolutely nuts. It's not how you are breathing, and it's not your focus during the meditation. It's mm. what we do for the rest of the day. 
How are we, how are we connected when we go for a walk? Mm. How are we connected when we are with somebody? How are we connected when we are, you know, driving a car, whatever we are doing? And the breath is that link. Mm. And it has been a tremendous help for me and for like, I've worked with many people over the years and I've seen the calmness that it can bring. Because when we look at the human mind, the human mind is mad. If we were married to our own mind, we would probably have them divorced in about two weeks. <laughs> 90% of the thoughts going through our minds is critical, is negative. And the body doesn't know the difference between an imagined thought and a real, and a real event. Mm. You know, if we are worrying and if we are apprehensive and we're running that worries and stress through our mind, that creates tension in the body. Mm. It's almost that the event has taken place. Yeah. And for the media, I have to say, I actually think that mainstream media have changed in the last 15 years. And here is my reasoning why. Journalists, normally their job was to investigate everything, to investigate all sides. And all I can do is I can only talk from the point of view of the Irish mainstream media. We have the, our main broadcaster is, is what's called RTE. And when I listen to the journalists on RTE, all I am hearing is the same stuff that they are not challenging anything. It's almost that they are a puppet of the state. And, you know, I think they are creating so much stress and I don't think the journalists are doing their job properly. Like when you look at in COVID, there are different perspectives with regards to this condition. If you look at the, the if you look at the, how Sweden, the approach that Sweden took, versus the approach that Ireland has took. Ireland is in total lockdown. Our economy is really, really going to hurt. People are going to be mass unemployment and there's going to be massive stress levels and massive anxiety as a result of it. And our national broadcaster, every time you switch on the radio or television, all you're doing is getting information about COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, what I would say to people is if you want to listen to the news, listen to it just once a day. That will keep you up to date, but then switch it off. And that's a habit that I do. I don't listen to the news. I stopped reading newspapers 15, 20 years ago. I found that it was too much selective biases coming through. If you really want to find information, you know, you, you can get it now from really reputable. There's books are a tremendous source of it. Mm. Podcasts are a tremendous source of it. And if you think that there aren't two aspects to this COVID, track down a doctor called Dr. Zach Bush. And um, I met Dr. Zach Bush, I don't know, many years ago. We did a talk together in, in Washington. And he was one of those medical doctors. He was talking about Roundup at the time and Monsanto. And he was talking about along the Mississippi River where all of the, the, the weed killer had been had, was flowing from the land into the river. It was called Cancer Alley, mm -hmm. that the incidence of cancer, cancer all along the Mississippi River was higher than it was elsewhere. And he put it down to he looked at the structures in the soil as a result of the administration of Roundup. And he said that this structure is almost similar to what we would see in, in, in cancer. So he's talking about COVID. Check out his work. Mm -hmm. Another professor of medicine, Dolores Cahill, and she's an Irish woman. Check out what she is saying. So there are different points of view on everything. And, you know, all too often we have to really look at this from a balanced, balanced approach. Now, in terms of the breath, 
yeah, what I say is one thing and what somebody else may say is another thing. But what I would say to that is practice both sides, mm. practice both approaches and see what one fits you. Yeah. And I, I, I can't get my head around why, like we all say balance is a good thing, but we all want to lock into one idea or the pressure is to lock into one team. And it just um, you know, like I think I've run into too many rugby tackles. So I, I would say that I, you know, don't have the whole world together. But, but it it makes sense enough for me that you're less vulnerable if you have a variety. I'm sure that's what the immune system needs. It doesn't always need you to be hot. Yes. It needs you to be cold. It, it you know needs to cry and you need to smile and laugh and you know even humans we're all different. And I think if that is the clue. Otherwise, we'd all be the same. And I just can't get my head around why it's not more obvious that it's not a, it's not our job to disprove everyone. It's kind of our job just to consider all these ideas. And I guess yes. that's the debate around free speech and all these yes. things is at what point is it too much versus um, not enough? And, and there's no answer. I mean, it is just about us you know i don't know trying i guess and yes. look if you gave me a million dollars and my own network i'd probably turn into wanting to drive an agenda too but at the moment the majority of us podcasters are just people who you know our big thing is pay the rent this week and that's a good week you sure. know and if you can have yes. a good conversation with someone particularly during lockdown you know we're like you guys we're, we've just come out of total lockdown and and there's some ramifications like we're not all keen to go back into modern life no one wants to touch each other no one wants yes. to do things and yeah, yeah. and and i know there'll be some fallout from that you know you need that connection eh because otherwise just i think you're just going to live up here more so so yeah anyways i know you got plenty on today and i appreciate your time uh joining us for people who are wanting more they're going to go check more of your stuff out on youtube but where can they follow you if they want to look a bit more into oxygen advantage yeah but say parents for kids we put a children's program up free of charge mm. and all of the breathing exercises are completely free um, there's no obligation. We don't ask you for emails or anything. Just go to butecoclinic.com. Cool. And uh, you'll see the link there for all of the breathing exercises for kids. Um, for people with sleep issues, anxiety, and panic disorder, etc., it is butecoclinic.com. And then for sports performance, um, resilience, it's oxygenadvantage.com. Mm. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and... Yeah, I guess we'll just touch base another time. I, I dare not say hopefully one day we meet in real life because maybe that's how the old world worked. You know, there's no plans for travel in New Zealand yet. We're literally stranded on this island and um, our only connection to the world is through the internet. So I cross my fingers that the, the wires don't break. But again, thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much, Will. Good to chat. Ooh, team, that's a goodie. It's one of my favies. I love this idea of the journey of the podcast that inevitably there's many entry points to life and it's our job to explore. You know, we value the exploration of life so much and our deep consciousness with, you know, the films we watch about exploration of ideas and SpaceX literally are exploring new ways to get to space and beyond. And we love it. It's deep within us. So we have to explore to go deep within us. And the breath, I believe, is a way for us to 
connect the mind and body better so i will be learning and sharing and for those who are following thank you for following this journey if you want to support my journey with the podcast and understanding and breath and all that stuff you can do that via my patreon now since i last did a podcast we have three patreon people who are patreonese or patreoners anyway they are on Patreon supporting Please Blow My Mind. So I want to give a shout out to Daniel. I want to give a shout out to Chris. And I want to give a shout out to Andrew. Just a massive high fives to you guys for following the journey, for 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 supporting me on this journey. Uh, I really do thank you. And uh, yeah, if you would like to support my podcast, Patreon's there. Uh, all of that money goes towards... Um, you know, I guess doing more of this. I want to do more of this. Let's do more of this. I think I think there is an offshoot coming. This idea of the primal secret, um, taking these lessons and isolating them, and then trying to find a series of secrets or lessons that that will help us. You know, it's something like we're built for this old world, but we live in this new world, and we just need a little bit of firmware updating to help us in this new world. It's not much. But it's a little bit that if you just understand that breathing through your mouth was there to make you anxious, to make you hyperventilated, maybe to get away from something dangerous. But primarily we were supposed to breathe through our nose. It connected things. And we're doing it the opposite way because we are anxious and we are worried. And we need to be breathing through our mouth because it's survival mechanism. But it's not bringing us meaning. It's taking us further away from what we could be so let's wrap it there thank you everybody for joining me on this very special episode i look forward to bringing you more content um, in the next episode <laughs>